Welcome to Need to Know Nutrition, the podcast that encourages you to eat delicious food, love your body as it is, and be happy. I am excited. No, wait, that is an understatement. I am beyond excited, thrilled even, to introduce today's guest. She hails all the way from Portugal, but is originally a Canadian gem and is a science-based intuitive eating coach. Victoria Evans shares with us her personal journey from weight loss to recovering from eating disorders and how her experience and curiosity then led her to becoming a certified intuitive eating coach. Her mission is to help women heal their toxic relationship with food and their bodies. This episode is full of great information and believe me when I say you can hear the passion radiating throughout this episode through Victoria's experience, her wisdom, the research, and most importantly, her heart. Victoria shares valuable tools to help us begin or continue our journey of becoming intuitive eaters who understand, appreciate, and respect our bodies as they are right now, even though the world we live in may be telling us not to. It's an honor to be interviewing such a knowledgeable ray of sunshine that is Victoria Evans. Enjoy. it's great to have you on the show, Victoria. Can you start off by telling us a little bit about your background and what inspired you to become an intuitive eating coach? Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Honestly, I'm so excited to be here today. So a little bit about me, as you mentioned, um, I'm an intuitive eating coach. I call myself a time-space intuitive eating coach. But, you know, a couple of years ago, I would have laughed at the term intuitive eating. You know, the idea that I can eat whatever I want and have total freedom. I thought that meant I was just going to eat nothing but donuts all day long. And so backdrop, you know, all the way back, I'm someone who always struggled with my weight, always struggled fitting in and really felt like, you know, I just had a certain body type. If I was just skinnier and littler and cuter and prettier and sexier and all those things, then people would love me and I would feel good and connected. And so I always kind of felt like a bit of an outsider. And then, you know, as I was, you know, 12, 13, I started to really struggle with, you know, my depression, anxiety. And again, this kind of idea was reinforced my brain that if I just looked a certain way, if I had a different body type, that would be the solution. Right. And I think, especially if you're socialized as a woman, we're taught that our body's a problem and to fix it is a solution. And so that really kind of kicked off a several long year struggle that arranged with like binge eating and bulimia. And towards the end, when I was really struggling, anorexia and like amenorrhea, like my period had stopped, my hair was falling out. Um, this was particularly after I'd gone on this, you know, Instagram influencers weight loss program. And, you know, I was the child of her program. I was posted all over social media, millions of followers. Look at Victoria. She's doing amazing. And no one had any idea that behind the scenes, like I wasn't eating. I was bulimic. I was working out, you know, six, seven hours a day. And I was in this body that I'd always dreamed of since I was a little girl. I had the abs, I had the cut shoulders, like everything I'd wanted. And I had never felt so empty. And it was really this earth shattering moment where I was like, oh my gosh, like maybe it's not about my body. You know, maybe there's more to life than trying to fit into a smaller size of jeans. Maybe that's not the solution here. And so this ultimately kind of kicked off this wild recovery journey. And in my recovery journey, 
I really struggled with the systems that were in place. There's a lot of talk therapy, a lot of, you know, just talk about your past and how you're feeling. And for me, I found this really difficult because I have a very kind of analytical science-based kind of mind. I like to understand the why, why am I going to talk about this? Why should I do this specific tool or this technique? And so for me, I actually started to find myself getting a little bit worse when I was starting to go on the recovery process. And, you know, I had this moment where I was like, I really need to take ownership responsibility if I truly want to get better. And it was terrifying and scary because my entire identity had been built around being the girl who had lost all this weight, the girl who had abs. Um, But I knew that that wasn't who I was meant to be. That wasn't what was going to bring me joy. That wasn't going to allow me to reach my potential. And so I ultimately ended up kind of doing tons and tons of research, reading all the books, all the medical journals, watching all the YouTube clips, you know, reading everything I get my hands on, talking to different people, and ultimately kind of put together a program that saved and changed my own life. Didn't necessarily consciously do this. I was just doing it because I was like, I want to live. I don't want to die. And I started talking about it a little bit on social media and people started to kind of take notice. They're like, oh, this is really cool. I love your science-based approach to kind of healing and intuitive eating. And could you tell me more about it? And also what ended up happening was I took on some free clients to kind of test out this program that I'd created. I was like, did this just work for me or does this work for other people as well? And they had incredible results. And so I ultimately ended up quitting my corporate job, pursuing this full time. And I lived in Bali for two and a half years. Uh, Now I'm living in Portugal and, you know, none of this would have been ever even possible or conceivable if I hadn't have done this work, because up until that point, you know, I thought my life purpose was to be skinnier. And now I know it's so much more than that. Victoria, what an amazing journey and story. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Now, what exactly is science-based intuitive eating? And why do you think it's so important when it comes to building a positive relationship with food and our bodies? Yeah. So the thing about intuitive eating that can be difficult for people to kind of grasp is that there's not really any rules. Like there's some principles to it in terms of, you know, you're honoring your hunger, you're listening to your fullness level, you're processing emotions. It's really a self-care framework. But if you're coming from, you know, rigid dieting, food rules, kind of really restrictive, black and white kind of eating, this food is good, this is bad, it can feel like such a massive leap to go to intuitive eating. It's like almost like you're on different sides of a cliff and it's just like, oh, like, you know, people maybe will try intuitive eating. So like, yeah, okay, no food rules. And they'll start doing it and they'll find that they're eating all the different types of food, which is a totally natural response to restriction, right? Um, but we often freak out, we get scared and retreat retreat part of retreat, can't talk, retreat harder back into, um, and, you know, dieting and restriction and everything. And so why I like to take a science-based approach to this work is because I think it really builds a bridge between the two worlds. When you understand the why behind it, when I understand that, oh, when I'm eating food super quickly and I feel out of control, I'm having a dopamine surge, which is a neurotransmitter for the anticipation of reward in my brain. It takes offline my prefrontal cortex, which is a part of my brain that is rational thinking, you know, higher thinking, all that kind of thing. So it's like, oh, I'm not at fault here. There's nothing wrong with me. It's simply a matter of understanding kind of what's going on in my brain, my body. And the cool thing about this is once you have those, those moments of kind of that click, once you kind of start to get it and build that deeper connection to yourself, and instead of asking yourself, what's wrong with me, you work with yourself, befriend yourself, the entire world opens up to you. 
right? There's nothing you feel like you can't do because you and your body are on the same team. You and your mind are working as one. And, you know, whether you be like even emotional eating, instead of shying away from all the negative emotions and numbing out with, you know, food or alcohol or social media, you're processing them. And emotions emotions are just messages from our body. So the more that we allow them, the more we learn about ourselves, what we like, what we don't like. So honestly, I think it's really just such a, a key. And it's so important to do this work, to connect with ourselves, connect with our body. And I think really the foundation of it is understanding kind of the biology, the science, the why behind it all. Absolutely. And so well said, I think it's so important that educational foundation is really the key. Mm -hmm. And I also love that you can never unlearn something. So once you know, you know, Mm -hmm. well, that's so great. Now, what kind of destructive eating behaviors do you see most often and what can we do about it? Mm-hmm. So I would say probably one of the biggest ones that I see is not necessarily one that people have specifically labeled as like even emotional eating or something like that, but it's very much that black and white kind of mindset around eating, right? It's that all or nothing approach, which is very much kind of this perfectionist kind of approach to eating. So it's this idea that, okay, today I'm going to be really good. I'm going to eat X, Y, Z. And then inevitably you're human and you end up having a cookie or something, you know, else we tell ourselves, am I allowed to swear on this podcast? Definitely go for it. Okay. So I call it like the fuck it mindset, basically. So like you have, you know, you know, a cookie and then you have another one and then you're like, oh, my day is ruined. Fuck it. I might as well go all out. I won't buy any more cookies tomorrow. And tonight I'll just finish this box. Right. And then we end up in these like really extreme patterns of eating where it's like good and bad and clean and, um, you know, dirty as it were. Um, <laughs> and so it's, it's not only so difficult because Anytime that you have a cookie, for example, and if you tell yourself I'm a bad person eating the cookie, you can never actually enjoy a cookie. And so every time you have the cookie, for example, you're filled with so much shame and so much guilt that in our brain, shame actually triggers the same part as if you're in physical pain. When we're in physical pain, our brain, specifically our more primitive part of our brain, pain, wow, primitive part of our brain, that's a time closer. It is. <laughs> wants to move away from that pain. And so it'll do what it can to self-soothe that often looks like, for example, having another cookie to make you feel better. So the irony of, you know, you tell yourself, I'm so bad for having this cookie. You have a cookie, you feel shame. You want to feel better about yourself. You have this kind of moment of fuck it, eat more cookies to feel better and then feel worse and have more cookies. Like it just becomes this horrible, exhausting cycle where you really just continue to lose trust with yourself, lose confidence with yourself. And so, you know, intuitive eating and the work I do with women, it's really about learning to reconnect to themselves, learning about how to trust themselves again, because we were all born as intuitive eaters, we were born connected to our body, understanding, you know, when we wanted breast milk, when we were done, when we had to go to the bathroom, we would cry with whatever. We were so in tune with our body. And, you know, especially again, if you're socialized as a woman, we were taught we couldn't trust your body. We were told to look outward, to be told what to do, what to look like, how to feel instead of turning inward. And we will never live a life of fulfillment. We will always be trying to, you know, fix our body or get the bigger house or the car, whatever, all these external things to try to make up for an internal void. If we are so disconnected from ourselves. It's just so good, Victoria. I love hearing you and you can just hear the passion in your voice. It's so nice. And I just knew and knew that you and I were going to be a good fit. I just knew it. You're really like singing everything that I believe in. It's just fantastic. Um, Now, can you tell us about self-sabotage? So what is it? Why do we do it? And how is self-sabotage stopping our attempts at leading a happier, healthier lifestyle? Yeah. So self-sabotage is an interesting one because we always think that it's like a willpower thing, a motivation thing that we just need to be stronger, more motivated. Right. 
at the core of it, self-sabotage is self-protection, right? There's absolutely nothing wrong with you. If you are what you think is self-sabotaging, you simply have an unmet need. And it's rather us understanding what that unmet need is because we're so quick to demonize the behavior of eating the cookies. I'm really on a cookie roll today. Eating the cookies. Um, it's really just in my loves mind. Cookies. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. It's like a general, yeah, food that we all love. We're so quick to you know demonize the cookies and not realize, okay, like what was the driver behind me wanting to go get the cookies, right? And so when I coach, I talk about four different pillars. So I talk about mental restriction, physical restriction, emotional restriction, and connection restriction. So maybe I was super lonely. I wasn't getting enough connection today. My brain probably is going to be freaking a little bit because humans are very much a tribal species. We were meant to live in groups and especially during this, you know, pandemic. And now like, it's very difficult for our bodies to find a feeling of safety, co-regulate our nervous system. If we don't have other people around us and food can often be, you know, a very clever technique that our brain uses to try to help us feel better and feel more safe, less lonely. Right. So that's connection. And then, you know, whether it be even mental restriction. So if I'm constantly beating myself up, if I'm constantly telling myself I'm horrible and worth and terrible and disgusting and blah, 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 right? Labeling foods as good and bad, really creating this kind of mental, rigid, restriction, harsh kind of reality for myself. Like I was saying before, we're driving that shame. You know, negative self-talk leads to negative action. Positive self-talk leads to positive action. Um, you know, there's also emotional restriction. So am I not letting myself feel negative emotions? Have I never learned how to process them? A lot of us don't, you know, like I learned how to do Pythagorean theorem in school, but I've never learned how to process an emotion, right? <laughs> like I have never in life had to learn like how to calculate the third length of a triangle, but anyways. Um, and so... And so when it comes to emotions, right, like, have you been conditioned to always want to numb out from the negative? Were you taught to avoid these things? Because then again, our body, our brain's being very resourceful by looking towards food as a way to try to self-soothe if you don't have the tools to, if you don't know how to process it. Um, And then the last one is physical restriction, right? Did you actually eat enough that day? right? Calories are energy. Our body needs energy to stay alive. So if you've not eaten much all day or you're restricting different types of foods, then you find yourself eating a whole bunch of food later in the evening and you think it's self-sabotage. Nope. That's actually self-protection. It's your body keeping you alive. You're not broken and there's nothing wrong with you. So, you know, when it comes to self-sabotage, it's really kind of taking a few steps backwards and being like, okay, this was self-protection. What was the driver behind it? Meeting it with curiosity and compassion, because if you're meeting it with shame and punishment, you're just going to drive the opposite behavior that you want. Absolutely. Again, so well said. Um, And I think too, you have such a lovely way of explaining things. It makes it really easy to understand. I can just hear pennies dropping all over the world listening to this episode. People are getting it. This is great. How important is it to love your body as it is right now, Victoria? Mm. Yeah. So this is a tough one, right? Loving your body is super, super tough. And I think one of the things that maybe we don't always understand is that we don't have to love our body all the time for everything. You know, I think that more body respect is where we need to kind of get to, um, especially in the world we live in, especially the way we've been conditioned. It's really difficult, right? There's a lot of different body standards and a lot of different body ideas, what we should look like. And especially if you've lived our entire life being told a certain body type is one way and we should look another, you know, a certain way, it's going to be normal to have thoughts come up where you're, you know, thinking about yourself, challenging your body type, looking in the mirror and telling yourself, Ooh, I don't know if I want to look like that's totally normal. 
doesn't mean it's necessarily true. It doesn't mean that you're worth any less, but having those thoughts pop up, that's totally normal because you've been socialized to basically tell yourself that your body's a problem and then be sold a solution, whether it be a diet pill or a shake or makeup or blah, 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 blah. Um, and so it's, important to really what I think about more is like respect your body approach it from a place of like, how can I respect it and appreciate it for what it is actually doing. And so a tool that I like to use with clients is, you know, if you have a negative body thought come up, maybe I hate the cellulite on my legs, right? So it's like, I hate, cell, I hate the cellulite on my legs instead of just slapping on a super positive affirmation that you don't even believe to be true, which often drives, you know, the opposite belief, false behavior. Um, I hate the cellulite on my legs and I can for like cross this morning, I can deadlift pounds, right? So it's like, you're kind of almost think about like a number line where it's like, you have something maybe mentally negative with something more mentally positive by kind of adding this. And between those two kind of phrases, you're kind of pulling them together to create a bit more of neutrality. So instead of, you know, for example, cellulite being this really negative thing, now we're starting to kind of mentally put it into a different place in our mind, kind of recategorize it as it were, so that we're maybe starting to see cellulite, which is a totally neutral thing, right? 98% of women have it. It's literally just skin dimples. Um, but if we have so much negativity around it, it can be difficult to be like, oh, I'm going to go wear my shorts today or whatever. But if I pair it in, you know, like, oh, I can do this with my body or my kids or I could go on this walk or, you know, whatever that looks like for you, it can be really empowering to start to change that mindset. Now let's talk about those COVID kilos as they're now being referred to. So mm-hmm. it, let's say we have gained some weight during this time. We're feeling a little unhappy about it. How can we feel confident in our bodies despite this? Mm-hmm. Such a great question. And, and someone, even if you're listening to this and you're like, I put on some weight during COVID, no, you're not alone right? Like I literally talk to people every single day who, you know, struggle with this or dealing with this. And so if you feel upset or ashamed or whatever, just know you're not alone in that feeling. But also know the fact that you are here listening to this, the fact that you are listening to this podcast, listening to me talk right now means you're alive. A lot of people, honestly, sadly did not make it out of, you know, this COVID pandemic, right? A lot of people are still sick. They have long COVID. They're struggling. You know, if you are listening to this right now, your body did it exactly what it needed to do, which is it kept you alive. Right. And so just hold on to that for, you know, as we're talking here, like just be proud of yourself for getting through this really incredibly difficult, emotionally, physically, spiritually, like everything was so friggin' difficult this year. So just give yourself that acknowledgement uh, for, for making it through. And if that meant that your body gained some weight, that's not meaning that something has gone wrong. It doesn't mean that you failed. It means that you were successful, that you are still here. So the first thing is really kind of reframing it. Um, the second thing that I always invite people to do is really create an environment for yourself where you feel safe to be yourself, right? Confidence is simply feeling safe to be yourself. And if we're feeling our, for example, our social media feed with people who look nothing like us, you know, I used to feel with like, you know, the Fitzpo, like, in, you know, Fitz, uh, in what do I call it? I call it Fitzpo, but it's like fitness inspiration. So yes. what's the actual long-term for me? <laughs> uh, fitness inspiration, you know, models, workout, everything. And it made my brain believe the only way for me to be safe in my tribe, my global tribe, as it were, is for me to have abs and look a certain way. Because that's the only thing that my brain was seeing every single day, right? Versus if I have, for example, social 
the media feed that is very diversified. So maybe, for example, you don't like your acne. I don't know. Or maybe you don't like, let me go back to the body cell. You don't like, you know, your stomach. You have a larger stomach after COVID. Um, you know, follow more accounts on social media that have that feature exaggerated, who have larger stomachs than yours, who have more cellulite, who have larger arms, whatever that looks like for you, right? But when you start to see that other people can live their life and be happy, you know, with that body that is maybe more exaggerated or whatever than yours, your brain starts to realize like, Hey, it's okay for me to look this way. I can be happy. I can live my life. I can feel incredible because at the end of the day, you know, the only reason that we want to lose weight or look a certain way is because we think we're going to be happier when we do. Right. When I tell myself I want to lose weight, what I'm really saying is I want to feel happy. I want to feel loved. I want to feel connected. And none of those things are going to come in a body size, but rather the striving for it, the constantly calorie counting and going to the gym when you could be, you know, spending that time with your family or whatever, that constant striving for that perfection, that body type, it really deprives you of the opportunity to connect to your body and feel the love and the connection and all those kind of things. So if you're noticing yourself, shaming yourself, beating yourself up, take a second breath, a step back, ask what it's really about because we often think as a body problem is actually a life problem. And it really sets back to feeling connected. Absolutely. And I love, and thank you for sharing that. I think mentioning social media and being able to use it as a positive Mm -hmm. platform is really important, especially now because we are somewhat disconnected being in isolation and lockdowns and things like that. So it's really lovely to be able to use social media in a really positive way. I think that's really well said. Thank you. Victoria, you refer to radical self-love throughout your social media and on your very own podcast called Weighing In on Happy. So what is radical self-love and how can women use this to heal their relationship with food and their body? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love my podcast. I love it. So it's like the just the, t- the title weighing in on happy. Basically, it's our weight doesn't make us happy and we weigh on all the, all the other things that bring us joy and happiness and fulfillment. And so anyways, um, yeah, so radical self-love, how do we start to practice it, right? So basically radical self-love is rejecting an oppressive culture that has deemed us unworthy and in need of fixing. Basically, a culture and a system that has basically ranked our value to the world based on the color of our skin, our gender, you know, and our body type. And so by rejecting this notion, by rejecting this idea that, you know, someone is more valuable than me ranking it right by rejecting that it gives us back our power. So when we stop buying into this belief that we are not enough as we are, we really become rich in our ability to show up for ourselves as opposed to societal expectations. Really, the door opens to a life where we can explore our true purpose and our true meaning. And it's radical, right? Because it requires us basically to reject this idea that some of us are more important than others, right? An idea that we're really all kind of currently prescribed to and really one that is upheld by our buying into it. You know, when we look at people on social media with more followers or better body, we think that they're better and their life is better. We see someone who's in a different body type than us. We think they're worse, right? It's such bullshit right? It's totally untrue. And it doesn't serve you in any way, right? This trying to rank yourself in a system to decide how worthy you are, that doesn't serve you. It's not helpful. It's not useful. And so we need to stop, you know, the comparison and the ranking and really eradicate this idea of a sliding scale of self-worth dependent on our external reality. And so three things I always kind of suggest people do with this kind of information is you want to really start to get very present. What are the thoughts that are coming up with you? You know, so in order to kind of step into more of a radical self-love space, we have to know where we currently are, right? We have to have our current location in order to get to a final destination. And so, for example, the thought is like, I need to lose weight. Maybe that is a thought that's continuously coming up. 
check in on that, be present, be aware of when that's coming up. The second thing you want to do is investigate, right? Where is that thought actually coming from? Because we have about like 6,000 thoughts per day. All of them can feel like they're our own, but rather a lot of the time we've picked them up from other people, other places, right? Humans are meaning making machines. We make so much meaning out of things like our weight and our body. And we assign that, right? When we were children and our mom, maybe your mom had a larger body. We weren't thinking, oh, my mom is bad. We were taught that just like we can unlearn that. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we need to challenge where we pick those things up. We need to challenge these things were learned, you know, ask yourself, like, was this mine or was this really taught to me without my full understanding and consent? Um, and the third thing is we really want to start to adjust those thoughts. So again, is this thought serving me or am I really kind of upholding the societal construct that someone is more important than me and who's profiting off of that? probably some rich white dude who has three summer homes. Right. And that makes me so mad. I'm very much a feminist. <laughs> I'm very much, you know, deep into this work because if women spend all their time being distracted and trying to shrink themselves, they don't have time or the resources to go out and ask for the promotion or be super present with their kids and teach them, you know, how to feel empowered in their bodies so that they can make a difference in the world where, you know, any of those things, right. It's absolutely a trade-off. It's an opportunity cost to not stepping into radical self-love and by continuing to judge others and yourself, it means you're not able to fully show up. So, you know, adjusting your thoughts, you know, what do you actually need versus what do you think you should need? What do you want versus what do you think you should want, right? You really want to get present. You want to start to acknowledge your true wants, your true needs, instead of living in a world of, I should do this. I should do that. This person is better. This person's not right. Stop turning outward to be told your value to the world and turn inward and know that, you know, regardless of your weight, regardless of what's going on in your life, you're absolutely valuable and worthy as you are. Now, Victoria, I think the other thing that I really love about, you know, all the work that you do is it's really accessible to everyone and it's for everyone, isn't it? It's not, it's mm -hmm. not just exclusive. It's, you know, it's, it's just beautiful. It's really, it's healthcare that's accessible to everyone. And I'm so glad that you're mm -hmm. out there doing this work. It is just worth it. And I'm so many people would be benefiting right now. So keep it up. How can we slow down and eat mindfully when we're constantly busy, stressed and overwhelmed? Yeah, such a great question. This was like the theme of my life for a long time. Um, I remember even before it was funny, I used to get so mad and people would drive slow or walk slow. And I never really understood like why I had that. But I was like, oh, I'm projecting my own insecurity onto them, which is that I physically cannot slow down. I feel like I have to be constantly moving and doing and I can't rest. So I get it when people say like, they feel like they can't slow down and they can't eat mindfully because we're busy. We're going a hundred different directions. We have so many different things to do. And so when it comes to eating more mindfully, right, being more mindful, that's in every area of our life. Right? So if we're working on it in one area, it's going to spill over to other areas. And so what I like to do with clients is like a super simple tool is basically, you know, go to your phone, go to your clock on your phone, set some silent alarms. This is what I used to do literally all the time when I was starting to do this work when I was really struggling because I would never check it with myself. I would be going throughout the day. I almost had to think about like if you're a juggler and almost of the day, you're like juggling different things. Everything that happens, you get tossed a new thing. But at the end of the day, you have like 5,000 things that you're juggling and it's too much. It's too overwhelming. You can't process it. So it all just falls to the ground because you went and had a chocolate cake. And it was just like, nope, it's, it's, I can't deal with this. Versus, so 
it's almost like when you're doing these little check-ins, which I'll explain in a second, it's like you're being tossed something. You're looking at it. You're being like, okay, what is this? Processing it, putting it down. Being tossed another thing, looking at it, checking it, processing down. So by the end of the day, you don't have two bajillion things in the air that you're so overwhelmed and burned out that you can't deal with it. So you go have a bottle of wine, a piece of cake, whatever, um, right? Rather, we're understanding kind of where different things are coming from. So you know, going to your phone, going to the clock, going to your alarm, setting silent alarms throughout the day. Silent is the key. You don't want to scare yourself. That's not the point here. Um, and change the alarm to things like, what do I need right now? How am I feeling? Checking in, take a deep breath, right? Just like little things like that. It's like almost like a little love note from your past self to your future self, just reminding you to connect yourself and to check in. And as we're building in those moments throughout the day, we're very much getting out of what you're often in, which is that sympathetic nervous system, which is that freeze or sorry, fight or flight. Sometimes freeze, it's more parasympathetic, fight or flight mode. We'll say that. Um, <laughs> And getting more into the parasympathetic, which is more the rest, digest, and heal nervous system. Um, and so from that space, we're able to access more, you know, higher cognitive function, future thinking, planning, really the best part of our brain that we want to be in. But if we're constantly like, you know, on the go, anxious, everything, that's basically telling our body we're unsafe, there is a threat. And of course, if we're eating as if we're mentally being chased by a lion, uh, you know, we're probably eating really quickly, really stressed, really frantic, which is often how we're very much eating versus, you know, taking those couple deep breaths and checking in, ask what you need, really practicing, you know, getting into that space of connecting to yourself. From there, it's a lot easier to eat more mindfully because you've also practiced it in other areas and times in your life. So great. And I think um, you've been so lovely and generous in, in generous in sharing these lovely actionable tools, which is a beautiful segue into my next question. And in fact, you've probably already shared um, your top three, but let's do it again because repetition works like a charm. So Victoria, can you share with us your top three actionable tools to start practicing intuitive eating today? Yeah, I, I love tools, right? Because if we want to create real change, we have to be consistently firing on the new neural pathways in our brain. That's the only way it's going to work. So yeah, I coach using an EAT framework, which is education, accountability, and tools. And it says eat. And I just think that's the funnest thing ever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love it. I was like writing down, I was like, no way. Um, anyways. Yeah. So three different tools. So one of the first ones uh, would be the trust and wins document. So this is something I came up with several years ago. And again, I was saying, you know, this work, it's really about learning to trust yourself again. And so we often don't remember the things that have gone well in our life, right? We remember the things that have gone terribly. And so when it comes to things like your intuitive eating, for example, we remember all of us, the times that we ate way more than we wanted to, when we messed up, when blah, 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 we were terrible. And we basically condition our brain to essentially seek more of those things out, right? Uh, and so what we want to do is kind of shift our focus a little bit. So basically going into, again, a notes app on our phone, because I like to use things that are very accessible, which is usually <laughs> our phone, um, and labeling a document called trust and wins. What you basically want to do is document down every single time you have a small win, anything. This can be related to food. It can be not related to food. Uh, maybe you go to bed 15 minutes earlier. I don't know. Maybe you were hungry and it was only 11, but instead of trying to wait till 12, you actually ate at 11. I don't know things like that. And so you're noting down all these different things because you're basically priming your brain to seek out more of those things. We're creating this kind of evidence bank of all the times that you're able to trust yourself because trust does not come in the big moments. Trust comes on the, you know, consistently showing up for yourself over time and these little moments, these little wins, but we often don't remember them because our brain is biased towards remembering, remembering the negative, right? 
I want to remember, you know, evolutionarily that the yellow berries are going to kill me, not that the red berries are delicious, right? And so we are primed to remember the negative. And so we want to really shift that focus by documenting down all the times we were able to trust ourselves so that over time we start to trust ourselves. And then things like intuitive eating, that's what it's all about, knowing that we can trust our own body, trust our own cues instead of needing to turn outward. So that's a super simple one, um, trust and wins that I love. Another one, um, kind of building off that a little bit, is really engaging in self-talk that is productive, right? So the reticular activating system in our brain, which is basically the part of our brain that decides what's important and relevant information. I kind of think about this almost like, you know, in the Pixar animation movies when it hops out the light and it like squishes the eye down. Yes. Yeah. Yes. This is what I think about this as. Basically, whatever it is shining on, that is what you're going to see. Right. So whatever you are talking about, whatever you're focusing on, whatever you're telling people about writing down, that is where your light is shining. Right. If you're shining on the things that are terrible in your life, the things that are not going well, how you're a failure, you hate your body. You're literally only going to see those things because that's what you're shining on. If you're very consciously shining on the ways that you've shown up for yourself, if you're changing the self-talk to, you know, that was the best I could do. Um, I'm trying really hard. I'm proud of myself for even going for it. Sounds so cliche. And I used to be someone who thought that the only way to move forward was to like beat myself up all the time. I thought it was like, I have to know what I'm terrible at and what I need to fix in order to grow. That's the opposite of it, right? We can be aware of what we want to improve on while also not shaming ourselves and praising ourselves for taking the positive action steps. Um, and so think about, you know, like, what do you want to create more of in your life? What do you like? What brings you joy? Because whatever you're like shining that light on, whatever you're talking about focusing on, that's what you create more of. So when, you know, whatever I say, you know, whatever you talk about, whatever you say, that essentially becomes a blueprint. So just always kind of bear that in mind um, that shaming yourself is never going to lead to a place of positive action. Um, and maybe the last one I can throw in here is a lot of us get really caught up in what we're eating. I always challenge people to focus on the why and the how. So why am I eating this, right? Why am I eating chocolate right now? Am I hungry? Cool, eat it. Am I eating it because I'm avoiding an emotion? You can also eat it, right? But probably that's not going to help me process it. So having some awareness there. Am I having the chocolate because I'm actually really lonely right now and I'm trying to fill this kind of connection void? Again, you could totally have that chocolate, but it might also be advantageous to go and connect with someone or call a friend or something. Um, and so, you know, our eating habits very much allow us to better understand ourselves and connect with ourselves if I give ourselves the opportunity. So every time, you know, you're going to go eat, just ask yourself why a place of no judgment, compassion, and curiosity. And that can really help, you know, start to better connect yourself. The second piece of that is the, how are you eating? So, you know, are you eating it over the kitchen, you know, sink super, super quickly. You're barely tasting it. Okay. What's going on there. Are you feeling super anxious? Are you trying to recreate a feeling of safety within your own body by eating a lot of food? So maybe there's something else kind of going on there. Um, also, Interestingly enough, when you're in that very stressed state, whether it be you're shaming yourself or you're just on the go, your body's actually not properly going to um, kind of digest, process the nutrients of different foods. So the neuro, like it's, it's just, it's just not going to be processed properly. So when you're in that parasympathetic state, um, very much like rest, digest and heal. So how are you eating the foods? Are you taking a, you know, a breath before you're eating? Are you sitting down at the table? Are you slowing down, calming down, checking in? Cause also how we're eating, you know, a lot of us struggle with eating way past full. Well, food takes a little bit to feel full in your body, right? Sometimes it takes about 10, 15, 20 minutes to feel full. 
for eating super quickly, then we often don't have the chance to feel full yet. So we keep getting more food. Um, and so then we feel like, man, I ate way past full. What is wrong? Blah, blah, blah. And if we were to slow down, you know, eat a little more mindfully, ask myself, how am I eating? Maybe I'm not watching Netflix for this time, eating dinner, being super present and mindful that can help us to better connect to their body, our fullness cues as well. So good. So good. I think I've said that about 50 million times. So good. So good. But I really do mean it. And I just, I just love, I, I'm so glad one that this is being recorded so people can just go back and uh, keep listening to it over and over again. But the questions so important, isn't it? And like you said, just to turn your focus back to yourself, isn't that mm-hmm. super important? Thank you for sharing yeah. that. All right, Victoria, what is your best piece of advice for all of the women out there who are trying to eat well and love their bodies? I'm going to maybe a two-parter. The first part of this is that (laughs) no one knows your body like you know your body. We're so often thinking, oh, I should eat quote unquote normally, right? I need to, you know, my friend's eating this much, so I shall need this much, or my partner's eating this much, I can only eat that much. We create so many food rules that are often unconscious, like subconscious. We're not even really aware of what we're necessarily doing. And everyone's body is totally different. Everyone's eating habits, everyone's eating behaviors is completely different to our own. So if we're always looking outward to decide how much to eat, how to be, how to live, how to everything, we're completely disconnecting ourselves from ourselves, right? We're abandoning ourselves as it were. So stop abandoning yourself. If that means with food, you want to eat the food, go eat the food. If you want to not go to the workout class and you want to go for a walk or you want to stay home and rest, do that. If you really want to go on a vacation and that's truly what you want, or maybe you don't, you know, set boundaries, do the things you want, connect with yourself, like listen to that voice that is inside you. It knows it's scary to trust it, but after years and years and years often of kind of suppressing it and shutting it down, honestly, that I think really the key again is really that connection to that voice, that trusting yourself. And so just know, like you'll never be able to find yourself by looking to other people. Um, and then the second piece that I would say um, in terms of this work is that it's not easy right? If it's not easy, that doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. It means you're doing it right. In our society, we're very often looking for a quick fix, an overnight band-aid solution, and that's not real. So if you're, you're having a hard time with this, if you're struggling, that's okay. That means that you're human. If you feel negative emotion, if you're upset, that means you're human, right? It's a contrast of life that really allows us to appreciate it. So nothing has gone wrong. Nothing is broken. What I find helps, you know, is getting into communities, getting support to help kind of show you the way, help guide you a little bit as it were, um, because this work is difficult, but I truly think it's really the only way to live a life with meaning and connection and fulfillment. So it's totally worth it, even though maybe it's not always the simplest. Oh, thank you for such an informative and interesting interview, Victoria. I, I said it before and I'm saying it again. I just love that the tools you shared with us today are really accessible to everyone. You know, it doesn't matter where you are on your health journey. You really can benefit from intuitive eating and radical self-love. So thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much. You're an incredible interviewer. You have such an amazing energy. So truly, thank you for having me on. Oh, thank you. You're very welcome. Now, if you want to contact Victoria, you can visit her website, www.victoriaevansofficial.com. You'll also see it in the tab of this podcast episode. You can also follow her on social media. And let me just say, I really think you should. Your social media is so great. I just love it. So entertaining and just hits home. It's just, it's the best. So please do that. Um, At Victoria Evans Official. And also be sure to jump on and listen to Victoria's podcast, Weighing In on How 
happy which is available on all podcast platforms again thank you so much victoria what a treat it's been for everybody to have you on the show today well thank you so much